0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Retirement Pathfinder. Walter Storholt here alongside Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane, Retirement Income Planning Specialists at Pathfinder Wealth Management, serving you in Rockford. Barbara and Phil, how are you guys this week?
1: We're wonderful. Doing well. Doing you, great. Yeah. I have to Lots tell you. Lots of energy.
0: I can hear it already. Lots of energy.
1: <laughs> you know you know why, Walter? I have to tell you that Phil and I have this friendly competition going on. Okay. You want to know and what it, it is? And it,
0: and it is, Yes. <laughs>
1: Both of us have recently born granddaughters. So I have my first grandchild, daughter. Caroline was born the end of April. And then Phil just had, well, his third, but uh, she was just born. His granddaughter was born the end of June, Phil? Yep. So, yep. our competition is who's going to spend the most time with their granddaughter. And I probably will win, Phil, because I'm taking Fridays off to babysitter. But then Phil just started taking Fridays off, too.
2: Right, so. right. But the, the problem is that I've only held the baby twice, and both times uh, she spit up on me. Uh, she likes me so well. And, well, what I have to do, though, Barb, is I have to stand behind 15 other people in line wanting to hold the baby. I know that So, is by true. the time I get there, you know, the baby's either asleep or, you know, done something in her diaper. Or, you know, I mean, it's...
1: Wants to go back to mom. Yeah,
2: that's right. That's right. So you win, <laughs> <Okay>. hands down.
0: <laughs> well, the the competition can certainly continue. I'm glad to hear it's, you know, the competition's between you guys. I thought it was going to be like, my granddaughter will walk first before yours does. Or no, oh, that's the next play. one. Well,
1: that'll come That's out.
2: a good one. <laughs> hey, thanks, Walter. I appreciate
0: you bringing that pitting Pitting the children against one another, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll take notes and compare.
0: <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Uh, so my wife graduated from nurse practitioner school. Oh, uh, congratulations. The other so day, yeah. yeah, Very exciting. And so we, she was doing online school, so she was actually at the University of Cincinnati. And so <laughs> it was fun. We got to go to Cincinnati for a couple of days, and we made kind of an event out of it. And her family flew out there and met us there. And so her sister has a nine-month-old. And so we got to see uh, Jace, the nine-month-old. And that's a really cute age, just old enough to where they're not super clingy to mom. You know, they're, yeah. they're able to be held by others at least for you know spurts and short periods of time. Not real fussy, just very fun baby age. So it was really neat. We got to spend some time with him and just a really cute age, very curious and exploring everything. So you guys have a lot to look forward to for sure here the next few months.
1: I know, it'll go so fast. That's why I thought I'm going to take Fridays off and, and enjoy her and babysit her that day.
0: I was described by uh, his sister, who didn't make this particular trip, but who we got to spend a lot of time with back during the holidays. We video chatted with, with them. Her sister's husband stayed home along with the three-year-old. And I was off screen when they were doing the video chat. And she says, so I'm, I'm Uncle Walter. And she says, where is the big thing that tickles me? <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> oh my gosh no uh, kidding
0: that is so that is that's that's me I'm the big thing that tickles her up yes so. that
1: that's a riot I was oh like I'm gonna gosh. wear that
0: with as a badge of honor I'm not gonna be absolutely
2: by that. you do you <laughs> proposition there
1: that is so cute
0: oh and in, in any it. event uh, we've got a <laughs> great topic to talk about today and I'm looking yep. forward to every show we're gonna have some update on this uh you know baby competition that's going on uh, okay. between mm. you guys and the and the grandkids but we've got a good show today we're gonna to be, uh, you know, we're kind of, gosh, uh, as we're recording today's episode, it's pre-Labor Day, so we're approaching Labor Day, but yeah, we're getting into the third and the fourth quarter of twenty. 20- 19. So as we get into the second half of the year, I think there's some planning items that you might want to run a quick checkup on, especially if you're retired or approaching retirement. And then even more so if you're not already working with Phil and Barbara or a competent financial professional to plan for your retirement, there's going to be some things you should check up on to make sure you're on the right financial track. So think about it. Are you focusing on the right things? If you listen to today's podcast, you're going to find out if you indeed are. So Barbara and Phil, let's take folks through our list that we've assembled here, kind of a checklist of things to be thinking about. What's first on the list that we should address?
1: Well, first of all, we're going to talk about uh, evaluating IRA and or Roth IRA contributions. So this can be a little bit complicated, Walter. So what I'm going to do for our listeners is just go over a set of rules that would probably be most helpful. So this year, if you're over age 50, you're allowed to contribute $7,000 to a Roth IRA, provided you're within income limits. $6,000 $6,000 if you're under age 50. You can also contribute $7,000 to a traditional IRA, but you do have income limits and you also have employer plan considerations. So it's there's a consideration if you're contributing to a 401k or, or a 403b or those type of plans. I would contribute personally to the Roth IRA before I'd contribute to the traditional. The income limits are much higher and the deduction you'd receive for contributing to a traditional IRA pales in comparison to the taxes you're going to pay down the road. So with the Roth, there are no tax deductions now, but you have a tax-free account. So the question is, would you rather pay tax on the seed or on the harvest? I'd probably choose the seed and pay now as in the Roth IRA and pay later as in the traditional account when the account values can be sizable, and that's on the harvest. So you have people that are retiring with these sizable pre-tax accounts, and I always tell them, you know, you own about two-thirds of that. The other third of that is owned by this silent partner called the IRS. But the same with contributions to a 401k. You can contribute $18,000 to a 401k Roth, whereas you can only contribute $7,000 to a Roth IRA. If you're over age 50, you can actually contribute $25,000 this year in a Roth 401k. And that shouldn't be overlooked because that's tax-free income. That's tax-free income someday. And who knows where taxes will be headed in this country, but the assumption is they're going to increase. A very important point with uh, consideration to how Roth 401ks are handled at retirement. When you roll over your Roth 401k into a Roth IRA, you start the five-year holding period if you don't have a Roth IRA previously. So just to keep things simple for you, if you're going to contribute to a Roth 401k, open up a Roth IRA and start it with $500. And then when you retire, you can roll over your Roth 401k right into the Roth IRA and your five-year holding period is likely already been satisfied. It's going to make things so much easier. So I don't think the government ever said that they were going to make our lives simple. I guess this is probably the kind of stuff that actuaries dream about at night. But the bottom line is you actually have until April 15th of next year to contribute to either. And if you have a spouse that isn't working, don't overlook the fact that you can contribute to a spousal IRA as long as you have earned income. Yeah, Barb,
2: also we have to remind our listeners that the recent tax law change, the Tax Reduction Act of 2017, has given some great opportunity for people to accumulate some additional wealth by doing Roth conversions. And uh, depending on the person's cash flows from various sources and their income bracket, it's possible for them to take money out of their traditional IRAs, not pay taxes on it because of the high standard deductions and then contribute that money to a Roth conversion account where the money accumulates tax-free during their lifetime. So it's a win-win. They take the money out of their IRA tax-free, they put into a tax-free Roth account for a conversion, and it accumulates tax-free during their lifetime, they take it out tax-free. So we have to remind folks that along with the Roth contributions, they should also consider Roth conversions as they go.
1: We're doing, we seem to be doing a lot of Roth conversions over the last couple of years yes. with our clients. Yes, yes. Because anybody we talk with, their belief is that taxes are going up. And historically, we are in the lowest taxing environment. So it seems like we're doing a lot of the conversion planning too.
2: I think part of the reason for that is because we've got some very sophisticated tax software as well that can show them the actual dollars that they would pay in taxes with or without the Roth conversions. And that's huge. When they see that difference, they say, well, yes, I have to pay more tax now, but look at how much tax we're going to save down. The road.
1: Yeah, and then they know exactly how much tax they're going to pay come... April 15th, too.
0: Absolutely. Great points. And uh, you can tell there's a lot of layers to that. That's why it's on the list and something to follow up with and talk about because there's areas of opportunities each year when it comes to evaluating what you should be doing from a Roth or traditional IRA contribution conversation. And again, this would apply to like a a 403B or 401K Roth option that might exist in your plan. The different contribution limits for various folks kind of depends on what your options are in front of you. The advice is going to be different for everybody. But I think what applies to everyone listening to today's show would be just that. There's an area of opportunity here. You want to make sure that for your situation, you're taking advantage of those moving parts and pieces and thinking about not only the short-term, but the long-term aspects of this as well. So number one on the list for evaluating your third and fourth quarter planning to-do list, evaluate those IRA and Roth contribution options. What else is on our checklist?
2: Well, the second one is to look for opportunities, Walter, for charitable donations to increase tax deductions. And I was uh, recently speaking to a church group about. About this very topic and it was really amazing to me how confused and or uninformed people were about what they can actually give to their church or any charitable organization for that matter traditionally everyone thinks of cash as the means of giving and that is important cash is easier to give it's easier to account for and uh, it's the first thing that comes to mind however I presented to the group an idea of non-cash assets to give these non-cash assets would uh, create some creative strategies for a few people. Now, let me give you a couple examples of this. First one is gifting securities such as stocks or mutual funds. Uh, Many are holding investments that have increased in value over the years that can be used as gifts to their charitable organization. The rule is that if the stock or the fund has increased in value, gift the shares. Do not sell the shares first, pay the tax on it, then gift the difference. You'll end up giving less money to your charitable organization. So if there's an increase, you gift the shares over. They have a system whereby they can go ahead and sell those shares. So now, if, on the other hand, the shares have decreased in value, sell the shares. And that way you take the loss, up to $3,000 per year, and then you contribute the cash through the sale of the decreased shares. So it's a win-win both ways. So uh, remember, if you have gifted appreciated shares, you'll win three ways. The basis and the growth is fully deductible as a contribution from your taxes, provided that you itemize, of course. And if they do not increase in value, if they've decreased in value, sell the shares and uh, take the tax loss and contribute the cash. So that's very important. And that's called harvesting a tax loss. Another non-cash asset to consider gifting, and a lot of people are not aware of this, are old life insurance policies. And, uh, you know, it never ceases to amaze me. You know, you can go down into people's lockboxes and pull out these old, musty life insurance policies that their parents bought for them when they were little kids. And many times these policies that are sitting in these lockboxes or in their safe have appreciated greatly in value uh, with cash value and dividends greater than the face amount of the policy. And those policies can be used as gifts to charitable organizations. Organizations. So that's something important to consider as well. One thing, of course, we want to warn people about is, of course, if the life insurance policies are parcel to the estate plan of their estate, they don't want to gift those away. So make sure that these policies are no longer part of your estate plan. The third thing I want to talk about, and as time uh, is kind of limited here, is talk about the creative non-cash assets. We want to talk a little bit about this thing that has occurred in the tax law recently that allows people that are taking their RMD, people that are 70 and a half years of age who have to take their required minimum distribution. Okay, I always say the bold print giveth, the fine print taketh away. So the government expects you to start taking money out of your IRA at a certain time and it's age 70 and a half. They have something called an RMD, required minimum distribution. Uncle Sam wants part of their flesh back. So the new law that has been created recently works like this. Rather than take your RMD to yourself and Pay the tax on it, you want to go ahead and have that RMD amount, that required minimum distribution, directly to your charitable organization. And that way, it doesn't come to you by way of income. Now, when you do that, and it goes directly to the charitable organization and doesn't come to you, you're saving a lot of taxes. You might even save additional taxes on things like Social Security, because if you take your RMD, that could cause tax on your Social Security. It could ta- cause additional tax on your dividends, on your capital gains, and also on your pensions. So our particular advice to our clients that are 70 and a half years of age is if you're charitably minded, do something called a QCD, Qualified Charitable Deduction, and have it directed to your particular charitable organization. And that is a tremendous win-win for everybody, the charity and yourself.
1: Yeah, you know, the uh, qualified charitable deductions don't have to be just your required minimum distribution either. So someone who is very charitably inclined, they can actually contribute up to that $100,000.
2: There you go, Walter. Yeah. That's for you. (laughs) I like it.
1: And then, But remember, uh, like Phil said, don't write a check to the charity after 70 and a half if you have an IRA account because a credit is more often than not going to be better than a deduction. So credit is a dollar for dollar. It's not counted as part of your income. It's almost always going to be more beneficial to the taxpayer than a deduction. But be careful too because uh, the charity that you choose to give to, you can't give to private foundations, you can't give to donor advised funds. So make sure you're working with someone who's qualified when it comes to this. if if this is what you choose to do
0: amazing. I would have never considered some of those things uh, to be able to utilize to benefit a charity or an organization that uh, you know that your, your heart is close to, um, especially like the, the life insurance policies and using those to go toward charities. That's a really interesting and unique thing that I don't think the average person has probably thought through before or thought about implementing. So neat to be able to discover that on today's show. So that's a great thing to do in the third and fourth quarter as you uh, start thinking about the end of the year from a financial standpoint. Look at those charitable donations, uh, possibilities to increase some tax deductions there, and of course, do some good as well. That's another thing on our to-do list. We've got two more items on the to-do list for today's podcast. What's next on the list, guys?
1: Well, let me take the one about uh, estimates on retirement income, because I think that's so important to get updated estimates on your retirement income streams with pensions, Social Security, and etc. So if you're within about three to five years of retirement, it would be wise to talk to a professional retirement income planner about Mm -hmm. your retirement, because if you're planning for your retirement, it's important to know what your income is going to look like. So when we meet with people, it may make sense for some to take their Social Security right then. For others, it may make sense for them to hold off on their Social Security. Because remember, you can always retire, but that doesn't mean you have to collect your Social Security right away. Other considerations are from a tax perspective. Do you think taxes will increase, decrease? Stay the same. Most people we talk to believe taxes will increase in the future, and so do we. Now, uh, one thing that people may not know when it comes to Social Security is if you are a spouse that has a low Social Security benefit, you may be entitled to a spousal add-on once your spouse collects his or her benefit. This additional benefit is not on your Social Security statement, by the way, but if you work with someone who's qualified in the area of Social Security benefits, they would know this and be able to help you make a decision on when is the best time to take Social Security for both you and your spouse. Pension consideration is very important. Whether it's a private pension or a public pension, private pensions have no COLA, so your payment continues to decline with inflation, and in 20 years' time, that's going to buy about half of the goods and services as originally planned. With public or government pension, you do have the 3% COAL added to your payment. Now, if you, you do want to know where the money is going to be going if something happened to both you and your spouse. So, with pensions, is there any possible payout if both something happened to you and your spouse at the same time? Oftentimes, in pensions, there's nothing beyond the spouse. So that's very important to know. But here's the greatest question when you're planning for your retirement. How long will your money last? You have to know that. According to the centenarian, people who reach the age of 100 are the fastest growing segment of our population in the U.S. And right now, that's about 72,000 people. So what we need to see for a successful plan at the last life expectancy is about a 70% success rate that they're gonna have money. Generally, we take that out to at least age 95. If we see something less than a 70% success rate, then a person may have to work a little longer or work part-time or take a second look at their expenses and see if there's anything they can change. So if we didn't live for 30 years plus in retirement, a retirement plan would be pretty easy. It wouldn't take a lot of money and if we only had 10 to 15 years in retirement, It wouldn't take that much planning. But we have to plan for the what if you live this long question. So as I said, if you're within three to five years of retirement, take a look at where you stand. We have so many people that come to see us and they're retiring in a year or they're retiring the year we speak to them. Sometimes that can be a danger.
2: Yeah, I can't overemphasize the importance of of one thing, and that's calculating the tax impact in retirement, Barb. You know, the monster under the bed really is tax. And people come to us all the time. They're going to give us the gross amount for their Social Security or the amount that, you know, after Part B or C or D is taken out. They're going to give us uh, the amount they're getting from their pension. They're going to talk about the amount they're going to get from their dividends and so forth. But they forget to take in consideration where they're going to be on taxes. And so I always tell my clients, it's not what you earn that's important. It's what you keep that really matters. So you'd be surprised how many people don't really consider the fact that they're going to give away 10, 12, 15, 20% of their income toward taxes. And so it's important for them to have the right advice in that particular area. So they won't be surprised. Uh, We hate to see them have to go out and work a second gig after retirement because they can't afford due to taxes. That would be really a tragedy. So that's one thing that we really, really try to bone up on for that client is understand the tax impact on your retirement funds.
1: Inflation too.
2: Inflation is important as well.
1: So if we figure right now on about a 3% inflation rate, well, inflation likely could be higher in the future. In 30 years time, it likely will. Um, But if we show our clients what expenses are today and they're surprised in 10 years time, but they're really surprised what those expenses are just based on a 3% inflation rate in 20 years, much less 30 years, but you have to allow for it.
0: You do. do. It's a great point that you guys make there because I've heard many stories before. I think you've shared a few. I've heard stories from other folks that I know as well who have had a major issue with their financial plan. And sometimes it's even with an advisor or at least someone calling themselves an advisor. I think just this one piece of evidence alone would indicate they're not a holistic or, you know, comprehensive financial advisor, maybe just, you know, a broker or something like that, but plans that don't assume any inflation or maybe really underestimate it to make the plan look better. Hey, and we included some uh, inflation in here so you're protected into the future, but you look under the hood of the financial plan, they took it to another financial advisor and said, oh, you're only assuming 1% inflation here. <laughs> That's not realistic if we look out 20, 30 years. So look what happens to the plan when we throw in actual, you know, inflation and maybe 3% or so and it changes the entire dynamic of the expected income and uh, the net at the end of the equation. And it's like, right. boy, just that one missed detail in a plan throws the whole thing off. And that's kind of scary from a consumer standpoint.
2: Yeah. Well, it's exactly right, Walter. In fact, uh, just calculating in the inflation and taxes alone could change the whole dynamics of the portfolio because, of course, the way we construct the portfolio is driven by the income needed. And if that income is much greater because of inflation and taxes, then uh, we have to reconstruct it. A great yeah.
0: point. All right. Last item on our third and fourth quarter planning to do list. I took an advanced peek at the list. I see that magic word rebalancing in there. What is the uh, final item on today's show?
2: Yeah, Walter. Well, rebalancing your portfolio makes sure that you're diversified as much as you need to be. Rebalancing a portfolio is one of the three basic rules of investing, which are number one, own securities, which are equities. Number two, be diversified. And number three, rebalance. Well, what is rebalancing? Uh, if a portfolio is constructed properly, we'll have and hold different sectors or asset classes by percentages. It's what I call the recipe approach for simplicity. So some of those sectors will increase in value and exceed their recipe percentages. So if you have, let say, a large cap growth, U.S. large cap growth that goes up from 10% to 20%, they're out of the range, they're out of their, their allowable percentage as far as what they're supposed to be holding. They're more aggressive than where they need to be. When that happens, it has to be readjusted to bring the percentages back in line with the strategy. So we rebalance or sell the excess percentages and put those dollars back into the underperforming sections. You know, some people will say, well, you're selling off my best performers. Why would you want to do that? You're taking your, your racehorses to the slaughterhouse? Well, our answer to that is basically your, your objective investing is to buy low and sell high. By doing this, you're continually readjusting the portfolio so that you stay within your strategy and you're purchasing the shares at a lower cost. Of course, this needs to be done by someone who has a skill, knowledge, and the right software. And for this reason, many investors don't rebalance. It's just too complicated for them or they're counting on their professional to do it for them and often doesn't get done because of the complexity. We do it for our clients so that they can enjoy the retirement and don't have to count on their fingers and toes all the time. <laughs>
1: Well, from a risk perspective, too.
2: Yes, So absolutely. for
1: rebalancing, you know, if it just was about the winners running, then everybody would let their winners run. So from a risk perspective, you know, if you have an asset class that's, you know, way out of whack from where it should have been when the plan is originally constructed, then you're adding more risk to the, the entire mix. So rebalancing, is on a small scale, but it does have a big impact.
2: Exactly right. In fact, uh, some have promoted the idea that if you rebalance on a consistent basis, you could add what's called alpha to the portfolio, which is an, an additional percentage to that portfolio. And it makes sense because you're really doing dollar cost averaging at a smaller degree, but you're accumulating shares that will come up with greater value as time goes on, and that will add more percentage at the end of the portfolio
0: year. All of these little checklist items are good to keep kind of in the front of your mind as we approach the end of the year. It's not something that has to dominate your mind day in and day out, but it's a good time here over the next month or two to go ahead and just sit down, take an hour to address some of these issues, think about them, discuss them with your financial planner. And if you don't have a financial planner, well, it's high time to get one. And uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've gotten to know Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane a little bit here on the show. Of course, they've got an office in Rockford serving you throughout the area if you want To get in touch, here are the couple of ways you can do that. Give a call to the team anytime at 815 399 9806. That's 815 399 9806. And you can also contact us through the website. Go to PathfinderWealth.com. You'll see the ways you can get in touch with the team there, PathfinderWealth.com. Or, of course, you can also go to the website and listen to past episodes of the show. If you're new to the program, you want to listen to some other episodes, they're all there for you on PathfinderWealth.com. Just look for the podcast link and you'll be able to listen to all the great shows that Phil and Barbara have discussed, covering all sorts of great topics throughout the financial world. Some of them timely, talking about things to be thinking about or doing here in the near future. Some of them, what we call in the biz, evergreen, uh, kind of principles and planning ideas and thoughts and strategies uh, that stand the test of time that are things that you can listen to at any point in time and learn a little bit about what's happening in the financial world. So poke around a little bit and get some great financial education and knowledge that way as well. Phil and Barb, thanks so much for filling us in on some of these details and giving us this checklist of things to be thinking about here at the end of the year. And we'll look forward to another great podcast with you around the corner.
1: All right, Walter. Thanks, everybody for listening. Thank you.
0: Talk to you both soon. For Phil and Barbara, I'm Walter. We'll talk to you next time right back here on the Retirement Pathfinder.